Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. A number of years ago, I was asked to handle someone's estate. I was not named in the estate. I was simply the executor. And while going through this lady's affairs, I was surprised at several ministries that she was supporting. Not that she supported ministries. That didn't surprise me. But I kept getting and receiving her mail. And I saw a number of appeal letters. I was frustrated. And I met. I ain't got a little bit angry because a lot of those they kept sending these appeals and I asked them to remove their name and finally all of them did but one and one day she got a letter dear sister it went something like this not direct quote the spirit awakened me in the middle of the night with you on my mind And if you will send me X amount of dollars, God said he would bless you with a financial blessing. Since I was handling her business, I wrote him back. And I said, the spirit may have awakened you, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Because she no longer needs your prayers, nor your financial blessings. Because she's already received her reward. Now, before we go any further, I want to make one thing very, very, very clear. I'm, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, this next nugget is worth the price of admission. It's worth the price of admission. See, you might think when I talk about false prophets and misuse of the Holy Spirit, that I'm degrading that. But we need to make this point. Without the real thing, there cannot be a counterfeit. I said, without the real thing, there cannot be a counterfeit. See, the definition of counterfeit is make an imitation of something valuable or important with the intention to deceive or defraud. So in order for us to have false prophets, guess what? We have to have real prophets. If we're going to have false anything, there has to be a legitimate one. So let's be careful not to devalue the real because of the counterfeit. And in my next few statements, you're going to think, well, you know, he's uh, taking away the value. I want you to know something. The move of God, the gifts of the Spirit, and the workings of the Spirit are real. Are there counterfeits? Yes. But that does not take away from the real because the more counterfeit they are, that means the more valuable it is. So let's remember that. But I'll have to tell you, I get disgusted with people who blame things on the Holy Spirit. You know, like that person did, you know, the Holy Spirit woke me up. The Holy Spirit didn't wake them up. 
not, not for to ask somebody that's dead to give. Because I want to tell you, that, that's, I haven't noticed that being possible. So that wasn't the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that God speaks to people. I know the Bible talks about sowing and reaping. But just because they say, I heard from God does not make it so. But guess what? This is not something new. This has been going around a long, long, long time. Matter of fact, John, the beloved apostle, says this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many prophet, false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, let me tell you something. God did not cause you to be judgmental. God did not cause you to be critical. That's not our responsibility. But just because somebody says, God told me, does not mean that you have to swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Paul told the church at Corinth, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. What does that mean? It means test yourself. Now, in order for us to do that, we have to have a connection with God, right? We have to have a connection with God. And so that brings me to my principal text this morning in Jeremiah chapter 23. And I'll be covering most of the chapter, but I want to start reading at verse 18, Jeremiah Chapter 23, verse 18. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Or who has paid attention to his word and listen? Behold the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intent of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel... They would have proclaimed my words to my people and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Now, that's an amazing thought because Jeremiah is talking about those prophets that were saying, God told me. He said, just because they're saying God told me doesn't mean that they're legit. But again, remember, in order for them to be a counterfeit, there has to be the real thing. Jeremiah was the real thing. But what caught my attention was that verse 18, or excuse me, uh, verse 22. It really caught my attention because it says, but if they have stood in my counsel. The NIV says it a little bit differently. NIV says, have any of these prophets been in the Lord's presence to hear what he's really saying. Now, I tell you, I use a lot of different translations to study because I like to try to get as close to the original as I can. And I read the ESV, the NIV, 
And the King James uses the word counsel. But the New Living Testament, and this is when it got my attention, when it says the presence. So I asked the question, which one's correct? Which, which one is closer to the truth? So I went to the Hebrew. And that word, Hebrew word that's there translated counsel or presence is a Hebrew word sod, S-O-D. And what it literally means, a circle of friends. The intimate circle. A familiar converse with God. A confidential talk. So Jeremiah is asking the questions, which of these prophets have actually been in the council or the presence of God? He's asking the question, who has he confided in? Now, that's amazing to me to think that God would confide in us. But that's what God does when he speaks to us. Where when in his presence, he will tell us things that we cannot get on our own. And he speaks your language. I say he speaks your language. I, I hope this is not offensive to some of you, but it bothers me sometimes whenever I hear people get into their godly tone of voice. You know, God doesn't change his voice when he wants to speak to you. He speaks through you at your language. Now, this is not to make fun of anybody, but I love the story that Marvin Gorman shares. He said there was a, a guy in his church that was uh, uh, challenged mentally and that he was a great Christian. He gave him a, a list of, of, of back when the Bible was on cassettes. Any of you remember back that long ago? He gave him a Bible on cassette. And he, he said every time that he would give a scripture, he said, John 14, 3. You could hear him say, let's take four, side two. <laughs> I mean, he knew it. So some of us could use some of that knowledge. But he says that one day this guy stood up and gave a message in tongues or, or interpretation. Somebody gave him a message and he stood up and said, why do you sit here like a bump on a pickle? Now, how many knows that's not normally our godly language? Now, you say, why are you saying that? Because I'm going to tell you something. God uses our language. He uses our personalities. He speaks through us in different ways. So when we're in God's presence, that's God talking to us. And he was asking this question, how many of these guys, this is God speaking to Jeremiah, have even listened to me? How many have even heard of me? How many are even serving me? So Jeremiah is asking that question. Who has been in his presence? I shared this quote from James Davis Wednesday evening. He said, I want to share with you a great secret. It is not our ability, but our availability. Nor our fame, but our faith. Not our scholarship, but our relationship. And not whom we know, but who we are that counts with God. I know some of you were saying, will be saying, well, Jeremiah was speaking about preachers. This doesn't relate to all of us. This relates just to prophets. I beg to differ. God's word speaks to us. It speaks to us. Was he talking about false prophets? Yes, that's true. But I'm glad that God allows any one of us to be in his intimate circle if we choose to be. We can all have a relationship with God. And the closeness of that relationship is not dependent upon God, it's dependent upon us. We can each one 
have an intimate relationship with God. Each one of us can all be in His presence, can be in His presence. Now, I think to understand this better, we have to delve into the Scripture a little deeper. I want to read this chapter, or most of this chapter, with limited comment, because I want to go into a little deeper into the being in God's presence. But let's look what Jeremiah said in verse 1 as we go back and read that. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Now, I do know that there were some other prophets, true prophets, during Jeremiah's time. But it appears, Brother Brown, that there were numerous ones that were not. They just had the title prophet because they found out that was a very beneficial thing. They were taking care of it. They were considered a prophet. And it says, you have not attended them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them. And I will bring them back to their fold. And they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall be any missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the day are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. I want you to understand something. David, it wasn't talking about David himself. The righteous branch is none other than Jesus Christ. That there's coming a time, I'm going to raise up a branch from David, and of course, Jesus was of the lineage of David, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely, and this is the name by which he is called the Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, then they shall all dwell in the land. Concerning the prophets, my heart is broken within me. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers because the curse of the land mourns and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil and their might is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house I found evil, declares the Lord. Now let's drop down to verse 16. Actually, I won't start. I'm just going to read the first two verses because we've already started 18. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the world, word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. How many knows that we love to hear that? We love to hear about God's blessings, but there's a lot of times that people are speaking on behalf and they say, the Lord told me, just like that one did with our dear sister, if you'll send me money, you'll be blessed. He was not representing God. We like to hear that. We like to hear that. Let's go down to verse 23. We already read the previous verses. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord? And not a God far away? Now, that's a good question. 
Is God near you or is he not? He is as close as you allow him to be. Can a man hide himself in secret places so they cannot see him? When God went looking for uh, Adam in the garden, did he find him? Yeah, he couldn't hide from him. He said, declares the Lord, do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord. I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall they be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to make my own people forget my name by their dreams. They tell one another, even as their fathers, they forgot the name of Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord, not is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from another. And behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who uses their tongue and declares, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares the Lord, who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness when I did not send them or change them. So they do not profit this people at all, declares the Lord. Verse 33, when one of this people or a prophet or a priest asks you, what is the burden of the Lord? You shall say to them, you are the burden and I will cast you off, declares the Lord. Now that's kind of confusion to me. What do you mean the burden of the Lord? What does it mean by the burden of the Lord? Well, I, I looked that up and I found out that the burden has a dual meaning. Not only does it mean a load or a burden, but it also means utterance or oracle. I said, okay, what's that mean? This is the burden of the Lord. Well, I went to the New Living Translation because it really helped me to understand it. And maybe it'll help you. Now the New Living Translation is not a paraphrase. This is a new translation that uses some of the oldest languages. And it's a very, very solid translation. But it says this. Suppose one of the people or one of the prophets or priests ask you. What prophecy has the Lord burned you with now? You must reply. You are the burden. Who's he talking to? He's talking about these false prophets. You are the problem. Now, there's a lot of false prophets in our world today, and they're creating problems. The Lord says he will abandon you. If any prophet, priest, or anyone else says, I have a prophecy from the Lord, I will punish that person along with his entire family. You should keep asking each other, what is the Lord's answer, or what is the Lord saying? But stop using this phrase, prophecy from the Lord. For people are using it to give authority to their own ideas, turning down, upside down the words of our God, the living God, the Lord of the heaven's armies. This is what you should say to the prophets. What is the Lord's answer? Or what is the Lord saying? But suppose they respond, this is a prophecy from the Lord. Then you should say, this is what the Lord say, because you have used this phrase, prophecy from the Lord, even though I warned you not to use it, I will forget you completely. I will expel you from my presence along with the city that I gave to you and your ancestors and I will make you an object of ridicule and your name will be infamous, infamous through the ages. Now again I want to encourage you to make sure you don't throw the 
the baby out with the bathwater. There are a lot of people today speaking godly words and speaking from God. I don't want you to think that. I still think we need pastors, we need evangelists, we need prophets, we need the workings of the Spirit. But the point I want to make with you today is the statement that Jeremiah made when the prophets, he says, but if they had stood in my counsel, we would save ourselves a lot of heartache if we would spend time in the presence of God. We would save ourselves a lot of heartache if we would spend time in the presence of God. Ask the question, have any of these prophets been in the Lord's presence to hear what he's really saying? As a pastor, it is my honor to stand before you and share God's word. And I never want to take that lightly. And that's the reason a lot of times you'll hear me say it is my opinion. Because sometimes it's just my opinion. And I want to tell you something. My opinion won't buy you a cup of coffee. <laughs> At the cheapest place in town. My opinion is not what matters. What does God say? What does the God say? And it, the honor, the privilege of being in his presence is not just for prophets. It's not just for pastors. Every one of us can be in the presence of God. Every one of us. You may say, well, how important is that, Pastor? Let's look at a couple of examples in the scripture. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I found favor in your sight and your people it is not your going with us so that we are distinct. I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. A promise to the nation of Israel. He said, I'll go with you. Moses said, I don't want to go, God, if you're not going to be with me. I don't want to go outside of your presence. I want to be in your presence. I want to be in your presence. Years later, Solomon built the temple. And as he was dedicating that temple, listen to what it says. But will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven in the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. Now think about that. The splendor of the temple, as wonderful and as majestic as it is, he said, God, I realize this temple cannot contain your presence. It cannot hold your presence. I am so thankful 
I love this church. I love this building. But I'm so glad that I don't have to come here to be in God's presence. I'm glad for those of you that are watching online today. You may be in an assisted living. You may be in a hospital room or wherever you are. I want to tell you something. You can be in God's presence right where you are because this building can't contain him. That's what he said. Thinking, did God do that? Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea. Oh, Lord, my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before this day. That your eyes may be open night and day toward this house, the place which you have said, my name shall be there, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place, and listen to the plea of your servant and of your people in Israel when they pray toward this place, and listen in heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. God, we want to be in your presence. We want to be in your presence when we come to church. Wherever we're at, we want to be in your presence and knowing that when we talk to God, God hears us. And not only does God hear us, but he continues to speak to us through his written word, through his spoken word, through dreams and through other things. But God's still speaking to his people today. And he's saying that if you'll be in my presence... If you be in my presence, you won't have to always be dependent upon somebody else telling you what God's saying. Wow. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, Luke records Peter's message to the crowd at the upper room. And he quotes David. He quotes King David, Psalm 16. Now, I think all of you here realize that the day of Pentecost, as he's outside the upper room, he was explaining to them what was going on, and he's telling them that this is God, this is what Joel prophesied, and then he quoted part of Psalm 16. I want to read that entire psalm, only 11 verses. It's where David says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Oh, there's a sermon right there. God, I take refuge in your presence. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints and the Lamb, they're excellent ones, and whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply their drink offerings of blood. I will not pour out or take their names on my lift. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. There's that word. Who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. Verse 8 is when he begins what he quotes in, in Acts. I have set the Lord always before me. I'm in his presence. Because he is my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. What was uh, uh, Peter saying on the day of Pentecost? See, some people, when he said David, uh, they thought that he was talking about himself. He said, no, David's not talking about himself. He died. He's buried. But this is the one that you crucified. This is the one that you buried, but this is the one that rose again. This is the one that he was talking about, that the Holy One see corruption. He says, made known to me the path of light in your presence. 
there is fullness of joy. At your right hands are pleasures forevermore. So what was going on? Peter said the Holy Spirit coming down. So that he can do what? Abide with you. That we can have his presence. So that we can dwell in his presence. Well, what did Jesus say right before he went to the cross? Right before he was crucified? Right before he rose from the dead? Notice what he said in John chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. What's that helper? The Holy Spirit. To be with you forever. No, he'll be with you just until the end age of the apostles. No, he said, Holy Spirit will be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be what? In you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will also live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you're in me, and I in you. Therefore, we can be in his presence anytime we choose to be by yielding ourselves, surrendering ourselves, and ministering to him and sitting in his presence. Sitting in his presence. One of the great teachings of the New Testament is recorded in Acts chapter 10. Many of you know that teaching, but let me just refresh it in case you don't. In Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to Cornelius' house and reveals that God is not only God of the Jews, but the God of the Gentiles. Now, I don't know, if you're Jewish today, thank God for you. But I'm going to tell you, I'm glad that he opened up that I could be in his presence. It wasn't just for the Jews anymore. He opened it up, and this was a major transformation for Peter. He had to, God had to speak to him three times. He had to tell him three times because it went against everything he'd ever been taught. It went against his tradition. It went against family. It went against everything because Jews and Gentiles did not mix. He said, I want you to know something. What do you want him to know? Well, let's read two verses. So I sent for you at once, and you've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have commanded, been commanded by the Lord. Okay, Peter, I know we're all here together in God's presence. We know that he spoke to you. What did it tell you? So Peter opened up his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality or that God is no respecter of persons. What does that mean? That means that you have just as much opportunity to get in God's presence that I do. You say, wait a minute, you've been called to be a pastor. That's okay. Every one of us has the access to the Father through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a gift to every one of us. We can go into his presence. What was the next to the last invitation that Jesus made? Well, I'm sure a lot of things run through your mind, but let me just remind you what the next to the last one that I could find is in Revelations chapter 3. Where he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. In other words, I will be in his presence. Now, I know that most of us have seen the picture of Jesus at the door knocking. I remember seeing them on the funeral parlor fans. You remember those? One of the main ones they taught was Jesus at the door. And if you look at that picture, you'll find that Jesus is knocking, but there's no knob on the outside. It can only be opened by your invitation. But guess what? He wants you to be in his presence all the time. He wants you to be in his presence. So that was the next one. He said, open the door. And I know I hear people, well, pastor, if, if you were a better preacher, if this was this, this, this. Listen, it's not dependent upon me. He says, if any man or if anyone hear my voice, if any person hears my knocking, I can't stop it. Satan himself can't stop it. All you had to do is open the door. Well, what was his last invitation? Well, it's right near the end of the book. Which says, I, Jesus, this chapter, last book in the Bible. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things of the church. I'm the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. His invitation is still, come into my presence. In my presence, there's fullness of joy. I tell you what, if there's been a time in my history that the church needs a dose of his joy it's now in his presence there's peace in his presence there's healing Jesus himself gave the invitation all you the heavy laden come unto me and I will give you rest so today I'd like to invite you so let's close this service enjoying the presence of God. We sang it earlier and we're going to sing it again as the worship team comes. Let's receive his joy. And if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's an invitation to you to open that door. No one else can open it for you. Grandma can't. Mama can't. No one can open it but you. He said, I want your presence. I want your presence. So if you're here today and you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to extend an invitation for you to make your way to this altar, and someone will meet you here and pray with you. But for the rest of us, I want us to all ask God for his presence today. In his presence there's fullness of joy. Holy Spirit, we realize there's a lot of false prophets, but we also know that your word is true and that you're still loving on people.
You're still extending invitations to them. And we ask you, Lord, to minister by your power and your strength. God, we ask for your joy. We ask for your healing. We ask for your strength. We ask for your peace. We ask for your forgiveness. Have your way right now, Lord. We thank you for it. Let's worship the Lord. If you're able to stand and sing with us. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.